What a great day this is. Really, what a great day. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Yes, and that's what this is about. That's what this is about today, the recognition that on this day, 2,100 years ago, God defeated death. Death would never really overcome us. That's right. Pray you can absolutely applaud that. For us, there is no death. We step from this life into the next. And when we do that, we see life in a way that we have not seen it before. It's as if we're in the shadows now, walking in the shadows. And suddenly when we walk through that curtain, it's as if God removes the shadows and you see how God intended it to be from the beginning. Oh, thank you, Jesus, uh, for this sacrifice. And so what I'm going to preach to you about today is the third day. The third day where the world would never be the same, where God would change the world forever, where Jesus Christ would defeat death, walk out of a grave, and change us forever. And the amazing thing about God is that God never ex expected you to take any of this on blind faith. God wrote this story for thousands of years before Jesus Christ was born. And I'm going to prove that to you as we walk through the scriptures, as you get a sense of how significant this is, how God prepared the world for the coming of this event, the third day. Uh, and so from the beginning of time, it was certain that something spectacular would happen on the third day. God wanted the Jewish people to be prepared. Remember, God had prepared the Jewish people to be the messengers of the gospel. That's why Palm Sunday was so critical. That was their day of redemption, and they failed. And so God really wants us to be able to send this message out to a lost world, and he expects us to do it. And so God doesn't expect you to believe anything as a fairy tale. I can tell you assuredly with every muscle in my body, every molecule that I have, that Jesus was born, he spoke, he ministered, he died, and he walked out of the grave. And he is at the right hand of God today. And you, as believers, will be there with him also. That's why we celebrate Easter. And in fact, if this weren't true, you know what? Let's go home and have pancakes. Really. Because otherwise, we're wasting our time. But we are not wasting our time because we know it is true. And so Jesus claimed to be the Messiah and the Son of God. And if you look at Matthew 12, verses 39 to 40, you'll see that uh, the religious elite demanded that he give them a sign. Give them a sign that he was the son of God. They wanted him to do a miracle, as if they said, do some kind of parlor trick for us to show us who you are. Uh, and Jesus said the following in that section of scripture. Jesus then said, here is your sign. It is the sign of Jonah. A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. There it is. Jesus understood it. 
the third day. He understood that he would be crucified. He understood that he would die. He understood that he would bury, but he knew from the beginning of time that God decreed something spectacular and life-changing would take place on the third day. And so Jesus viewed the coming resurrection as prophesied by God through Scripture. Jesus knew it was the seminal event. It is the key event in the life of the Lord. As we celebrate uh, this grand event today, it is important to see how God orchestrated it over thousands of years, how he had written it in Scripture and prepared the Jewish people for this incredible day. All these events that we're going to speak about today all speak about the third day and how God would foreshadow this coming great event. Nothing happens from God by accident. You understand that? There are no accidents by God. Everything is preordained and preplanned. Something fantastic and miraculous was going to happen on the third day. Now, we also know that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. We also know by reading some of the eyewitness reports, and these are eyewitness reports, take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 to 8, and this is what Paul spoke about, and these are eyewitnesses that he and Luke had spoken to. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500, 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. There it is. There's your proof. You want eyewitness proof? There it is. 500 people saw Jesus walk out of the grave. Saw him. And so God doesn't expect you to take it in blind faith. And Christ knew that this was going to happen. And so God had clearly foreshadowed this event for more than 2,000 years before Jesus would be born. 2,000 years before Christ would be born. God wanted the Jewish people to know that there was no greater message to deliver to the world than that death would be defeated forever on the third day. The world would be changed forever, and that would have been the role that the Jewish people have. And so God depicted early and often that something incredible would happen on that third day, and that Jesus would be resurrected on that day, and have, we would have eternal life. And now I want to focus on the specific foreshadowing events that God had prepared for us. Let me take you back in time and remember this as you speak about this to a world that is lost. The history of redemption has a remarkable preview of the gospel in the life of Abraham and the account of the binding of his son Isaac as they traveled to Mount Moriah. Now, you know that Abraham was effectively the head of the Jewish family. He would be within the lineage of Christ, the great patriarch. God promised him that the, the legacy of his family would be like this, the sand on the beach. 
He represented the hope of the world for a redeemer, uh, and his son was, was announced beforehand by the angel of God. And so at the age of 100, Isaac would be born. There's hope for many of you. <laughs> one day, one day, God commanded Abraham to sacrifice his son. Now imagine, you've lived to be 100 You've waited your whole life for this child, and now God has told you to sacrifice him, to show your loyalty and love of God. Think about what that's like. Uh, but Abraham, you see, fully expecting to sacrifice his son to a bloody death, trusted God that God could raise him from the dead. And so we read here in Hebrews 11, verses 17 to 19, by faith, when God tested him, he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Well, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. And here is the story. From the moment he was given the instructions, three days would transpire. Three days would transpire until they got to Mount Moriah. And Mount Moriah would be the location of the present day Jerusalem. And so there it was. As he approached that, that moment on the third day, wood is put on the back of Isaac, just like the wood of the cross would be put on the back of Jesus Christ. And Isaac would be bound uh, as a sacrifice, uh, and, and that being prepared as that sacrifice on the third day. And Abraham would raise the knife to slay Isaac as that sacrifice, and the angel of the Lord would stop him, would stop him and say, Abraham, do no harm to Isaac. Understand, understand that he is being saved from death on the third day. And instantaneously at the point in which God saved uh, Isaac, a, a ram appeared in the thicket. And that would become the animal sacrifice that would take place is the substitution of Isaac himself. And just like Jesus would die on the cross 2,000 years later for us as the substitutionary sacrifice, you see it being foreshadowed in the life of Abraham and Isaac. What an incredible story this is. Uh, and so you understand this, is that just as God would bring Jesus back and restore him to life on the third day, Isaac himself was restored from what would have been death on the third day. Make no mistake about it. God doesn't just throw around numbers. There is a precise thinking in the way God is writing these episodes. There are two episodes also involving the third day in Moses. Uh, you understand that the people of Israel uh, had gone through the Red Sea. And as they had gone through the Red Sea and God preserved them and wiped out the Egyptians who were following them, they caught after they came through that, that baptism of water, which really was like coming through death itself, they traveled for three days, three days. And they had no water and they were dying of thirst. And so now they came to a location called Marah. Marah, and Marah was a pool of water, but it was not potable. It couldn't, be, it couldn't be drunk. And so there they were, dying of thirst, 
three days after they had really been baptized through the Red Sea uh, in God. And now they cried out. They cried out to Moses uh, and asked Moses to save them. We're going to die. We have no, no other alternative. And so God spoke to Moses. Moses cried out to the Lord. Uh, and the Lord showed him a tree and said, Moses, take that tree and throw it into the water, and on the third day, the people of Israel will be saved. A tree, just like the cross that Jesus Christ would be hung on. Just like the cross. You see how God is so powerful and how everything has great symbolic understanding to us? Uh, and so uh, if you look there, you'll see in Exodus 15, verse 25, then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. So on the third day after Israel's symbolic death and the baptism of the Red Sea, they were delivered from their thirst by the Lord's tree. 1,400 years later, 1,400 years later, the Lord's tree would be the cross, saving humanity from a life of bitterness and death. This is the cross of Calvary, you see, that saves humanity forever. There was another example in the life of Moses, again, involving the power of the third day. Uh, and this is found in Exodus chapter 19, verse 10. You see it on the board. The Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments for on the Third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And so it came about that on the third day, when it was the morning, there was thunder and lightning to such an extent that everyone in the camp trembled. The Lord had descended from the mountain in fire. Can you imagine God descending in fire? The encounter with the living God at Sinai was so powerful that all of Israel cried out for a mediator between God and man. The people trembled with the fear of death as God spoke his law on the third day. Understand how powerful this is. We need a mediator. We can't look at you, God, because we're afraid we're going to die as we look at your power and holiness. And so you see that picture again of the third day. Another picture of the power on the third day is encountered by Daniel, that great prophet Daniel, who in the lion's den, as it is written in Daniel chapter 6, and you can read that at home, uh, this is a remarkable preview of the gospel again uh, on the account of Daniel. This is now about 600 years before Jesus Christ would be born. Uh, and so, as you know, this a decree was entered by the king that said if you pray to anyone or bow to anyone other than the king, you would be put to death, period. No exception, no substitution. And so Daniel, who was sold out to God, didn't care. And so Daniel began to pray to God. Uh, and so his accusers wanted to destroy him and wanted to kill him. And so you see this here. He had an incredible deliverance from death 
on the third day after these convictions. Here's what happened. These people accused him. And so Daniel was faithful to God. He didn't care. And so he continued to pray. He started from the first day. He prayed to God, even as the, as the law became law, uh, following the king's decree. He continued to pray. The next day was the second day. And on the second day, the accusers came to the king and said, Daniel had violated the law. He has to be put to death. And even though the king loved Daniel, he was constrained. He was, there was no exception to the law. And so he bound him and threw him into the, the lion's den on the second day. And so now on the third day, after being in the lion's den all night, the king comes with trepidation to the den to see if Daniel was alive. And on the morning of the third day, the king came in haste to see if Daniel was still alive. And when Daniel greeted the king, he reported that God had sent his angels to deliver him from death because he was innocent before the king. And as such, Daniel was delivered from death on the third day. Amen. Are you getting the picture? Are you getting the sense of what God is writing? Are you getting the sense of overwhelming prophecy? Are you getting the sense of what 500 eyewitnesses saw firsthand and you were reading, but that it was no secret. This is not blind faith. God wrote it and wrote it and wrote it. And the Jewish people never got it. And there's another example of the third day. And this is the encounter with Joshua. And I had spoken about it briefly in the beginning where Joshua had taken the, pe the people of the wilderness out of the wilderness. Moses has died. And now they come to the Jordan River. Now they come to the Jordan River. And so God has told them, you have to cross the river to get into the promised land. That's where your promised land lies. Uh, and so they needed to cross the river in order to gain their inheritance. But it's a river. It's wide. How are we going to do it? We're three million people. How are we going to cross this river? Uh, and so the crossing of the river really represents baptism uh, and, is, and is symbolic of the resurrection as well, uh, as the New Testament presents it. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For we have been united with him in a death like his. We will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. And that's what this is about today. Here, the Jordan River is now parted on the third day after the people sanctified themselves and then were told to put their foot in the water in faith. Put your foot in the water in faith. And once they stepped out in faith, God parted the river. And they were able to walk through it uh, in the presence of God and take possession of dry ground on Canaan. What an incredible story that God writes over and over again. And I'm not done. You may hope I'm done, but I'm not done. There's more. And I've edited this. I could have preached this for two hours. I know I won't do it, I promise. 
I want to get you out to breakfast. But I want you to understand time. Then there came a time when Israel was in battle against their sworn enemies, the Philistines. And the people of God called for the ark of God to be brought into the battle so that it might deliver them. But you see, they were sinning. They had not bowed to God. They had not been submissive to God. And so Israel was not right with God. So even though the ark was brought there, God was not going to allow them to use the ark as a lucky talisman. He was not going to allow them. He was going to allow them to be defeated, to be defeated. And thereafter, the ark was taken captive, can you imagine, by the Philistines. Upon hearing the news that his two sons were killed and that the ark was taken captive, the high priest Eli fell over backwards and died as he broke his neck. And the shocking capture of the ark reverberated throughout all of Israel. They never thought there was, that this could happen. Uh, and so there was rejoicing in the camp of the Philistines. They brought the ark as a trophy into their pagan temple of Dagon. Can you imagine? These pagan followers bringing the ark of God, the ark of God into that temple and placing it in front of the pagan uh, god, Dagon. On the second day, on the second day, uh, the statue of Dagon fell over to bow before the ark. How about that? fell over to bow before the ark, and the Philistines set it up again. It must have just happened by an accident. However, on the third day, on the third day, the idol made of stone would fall over and break its neck along with losing its two hands. The judgment of God stood tall on the third day, God would never stand for idolatry. Never, ever would he do that. Over and over and over again, God would demonstrate to the world that it needed to be prepared for a life-changing, world-changing event that would take place on the third day. This is why we bow before the throne of God, especially so on Easter morning as we recognize what he has done, this great gift that he has given to us. And so without the resurrection, our faith is nothing more than meaningless ritual. We're no different from the pagans without the resurrection. It is the very resurrection on the third day which changes everything. And Jesus understood this better than anyone else. He understood this, that God was pronouncing him as the Messiah and that the third day would change everything. This is why we know that there is only one way to heaven through Jesus Christ. There's only one way. Paul said it succinctly in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen, church? Now, Jesus knew these prophecies inside and out in every possible way. And so after he arose from the grave on that third day, he met two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And when I made my trip to Israel, I had the chance to go on that road to Emmaus. And it's about seven miles from Jerusalem uh, to Emmaus. And really, there, there isn't much to see there now in Emmaus, except as you go off the road, there's an old church, an Orthodox church uh, built in about the year 300 in that location 
where they believed Jesus would, would have been with these two disciples. And so you have to understand how poignant this is. Jesus has walked out of the grave. Jesus is now the risen Messiah. Jesus has now defeated death under the power of God. And now he's walking with these two disciples who are heartbroken. Their life has been wrecked. Everything that they thought they stood for has been trashed. Their leader, their Lord and Savior was killed. And life would never be the same. And so Jesus begins to walk with these two men. Uh, and it had to be one of the most incredible moments in the history of the world as Jesus then begins to explain scripture to these two disciples. He hides himself as to who he is, uh, but he makes this walk. And if you see here in Luke 24, verse 22, you can follow along, as the disciples are explaining to Jesus just what had happened. Can you imagine? Just what had happened over the last couple of days. In addition, some of our women amazed us they went to the tomb early this morning, but did not find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. And when I get to heaven, this is the videotape I want to see. I want to see now as Jesus opened the scriptures as Jesus explained all the prophecies. And look what happens next. He said to them, verse 25, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Don't you think Jesus mentioned Isaiah 53? Don't you think Jesus mentioned Psalm 22? the veritable description of the crucifixion itself in verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And you can take it to the bank that he spoke at length about the third day. All through scripture. And I'm sure he enveloped scripture and brought it out and showed the demonstration of what God said over and over and over again. This is what God said. This is who I am. This is why I could walk out of the grave today, not revealing that he was the Messiah, but just explaining to these lost disciples. And so as they approached the village to which they were growing, Jesus continued on as if we were going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us. That's what we say when we come face to face with Jesus. Stay with us, Lord. For it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them. And instantaneously at that moment, when they saw how he broke the bread, they recalled what communion was like and how he would have broken that bread, and they instantly recognized him. Jesus! And he disappeared from their sight. Disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they went back to tell the other disciples about what they saw. 
Look, ladies and gentlemen, this is the message of Easter. I'm just a poor spokesman. You can imagine what it had to be like to hear Jesus speak about it himself, uh, where, he, where he reiterated the promise to humanity for thousands of years that God would defeat death on that third day, on that morning. God never expected you to believe anything with blind faith alone. He would write it over and over and over again through time, through thousands of years, in every possible way, he would provide the evidence to us as to what was going to take place on that third day. And Jesus knew it as well as he prepared the disciples for what was going to take. And so hundreds of people witnessed Jesus walking out of the grave on the third day. They would never be the same. They would be willing to die for this cause. Who would die for a meaningless cause? But who would die for a man that walked out of a grave who was the son of God? That's who you die for. And so because of the death of Christ and the promise of God, we as believers would never be the same. We would have eternal life, be with God himself, and be with all of your loved ones who believed also and preceded you. And that is the promise of Easter morning. God delivered his promise on the third day of Easter morning. Nothing would ever be the same again. And this is why at every funeral that I preach in, I preach John 14, 6, in which Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one underline it. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the meaning of Easter. And so I say to you with every confidence that I have, with every molecule of my body, yes, he is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Indeed. Bow our heads. Lord, we are honored by what you've done for us on this Easter morning 2,100 years ago. Lord, and Father, how you wrote about it over centuries that you were going to do it. How you put it in the prophet's language and told the Jewish people, this is what's coming. You didn't let us take it by surprise, but you told us, expect it. And on that day, you delivered in the most mighty way as Jesus walked out of that grave. And Father, life would never be the same. And so for us, we will never experience death. We will never experience death because for us, death has no sting because we know where we're going. We're going to be with you because you died for us. And so Father, be with our people. Let this message resonate with us. Let us leave here with the ability to tell others of this story, Father in every possible way. Bless our people, especially so today, and anoint them with the power of the Holy Spirit as we leave this place inspired by your word, as we put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.